Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. And today I want to talk to you on the subject of what is your life. Yes, I will say a lot to the students, but today is the first day of the rest of our lives. Every one of us that are here today are the same age. This is the only moment that we've got right now. Now, we don't know how long we're going to live. We can do nothing about the past, but we can live in the right now. The question asked in the book of James, what is your life? That's what journey is all about. These students are going on a journey. They're coming through life, and this week is a moment for them to ask the question of themselves, what is your life? Who are you? Why were you made? What is your purpose? What does the future hold for you? Uh, what can you do about the past, if anything? And so I want you to listen very carefully. As I read the text from James chapter 4, verse 14, I'm going to again, if you would, stand for this very brief reading. But I want you to listen very closely to James chapter 4, verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow... For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while, and then it vanisheth away. Here is the question. What is your life? Before you sit down, not is what is the person beside you doing, or who are they, or what is God doing in their life? What is your life we need to get away from every time we go out to eat asking everybody else what they're going to have on the menu before we order what difference does it make what they order <laughs> when are we going to quit asking everybody else what they're doing before we decide what we're going to do I hope when we go out of here today we can say as for me I'm going to follow the Lord I'll just cut the scripture short. As for me, I'm going to follow the Lord. I don't know what my house is going to do. I don't know what mom and dad is going to do. But as for me, I'm going to follow the Lord because I know how important my life is to the Lord. Would you be seated? The writer of the scripture is James. <clears throat> he was a half-brother of Jesus. In James 1.1, he identified himself as a servant of of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, his half-brother. Great tribute to what he recognized in Jesus. He was very slow to accept the fact that he was the half-brother of Christ. And you'll find that it was in John 7, 5 over in the New Testament that he was actually converted by an appearance of the risen Lord Jesus. He was able to have that dramatic change in his life when he forsook all to follow Jesus. I hope that's happened to you because I can lovingly but honestly say to you if our faith does not directly impact our life, we have no faith at all. If we can just put a Approximate time when I made a decision, and that's about it, but there was a little change in your life, that's not really adequate to the Lord. He wants to know more. 
Jesus said in Luke 6, 4, Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command you to do? It's very difficult for a lot of us to deal with authority. Let's put that, all of us. It is hard for a young person to deal with parental authority. It is hard for some to deal with the authority of law enforcement, government authority, rules of the school, the speed limits on the highway. But I would submit to you today that the hardest authority to deal with for most people is the authority of God's Word. A lot of people, and it is a majority, cannot handle the fact fact that when God says it, that settles it. Because God is saying to us today, if you will follow me, I have plans for your future because you are alive. If you will take the past and bring it to the cross, I will forgive you, I will cleanse you, you will have a new birth, you will have a brand new life, former things are passed away, all things become new, but you will be under my authority and whatever I tell you to do will be what I created you to do and I will go with you when you do what I tell you to do and I can promise you, Jesus says, that you will have life everlasting. That question of four words, what is your life has some incredible things to think about in it. In the present tense, what is your life? The next time you go to the cemetery, if you haven't been recently, you'll eventually go. And whenever you are alive and go, you might look at the grave markers. Oftentimes, people buy their grave marker before the time that they pass. And so there is a birth date there. Then when they pass, there is a date of birth, a date of death. In between the time we're born and the time we die, there's sort of a dash. We're all in that dash right now. We haven't got to the last figure we can look back at when the first figure was, but the dash is where we are now. And no matter how old you are, you're in the dash. And so James asks this question, whereas you don't know what that figure is going to be out there on the end of the stone, you're in the dash, but that dash is limited. It's like a vapor. It's here today and it's, it's gone tomorrow. We cannot change the past. We do not know what is in our future. And today's culture puts a lot of attention on the right now in the wrong way. In other words, what are you doing right now to satisfy your lust? What are you doing right now to be popular? What are you doing right now to be successful and, 
and accepted by more people? What are you doing right now that will make you feel like you are important to the group? And it's all about the right now. Now, in the book of Proverbs, there is in the 16th chapter, verse 25, a very interesting verse. There is a way that seems right unto a man. Seems right. Why would it seem right? Everybody's doing it. But the end thereof is the way of death. Every once in a while, I test myself and see if I'm leading you wrong. Uh, I wouldn't want to do that ever intentionally. I've told you over and over again, I like to read the Proverbs. Today is the eighth day of the month, so I've read the eighth proverb. I knew what I was going to preach on several days ago. Could I read to you today from the eighth proverb, verses 35 and 36? For whoso finds me, finds life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sins against me wrongs his, own, wrongs his own soul. All they that hate me love death. They live it every day. They live in death. That's kind of an ironic statement, isn't it? You know what the Bible says? We're dead in trespasses and sin unless we've been born again to a life everlasting. And the wise Solomon writes, even today, as we're thinking about what is your life, when you find out what life is, you will find out that it is eternal. And what happens today will affect every second of your life forever and forever and forever. The majority of the influencers of this world are caught up in wanting people to forsake God and follow them. There's much pride today in every group to try to prove God wrong and them right. And to forsake the living God, the eternal God, and as you come through your dash or through the time of your life that you're between birth and physical death, the best thing you can do according to them is close this book and listen to their new ideas and their new thoughts. The majority of the influence of this world succeed in doing that. Give me your money. Let me invest it for you. Give me your personality and I'll make you arrogant and obnoxious. But you'll think that you're really somebody because you really know how to tell it like it is and put people in their place. I'll give you a vile temper. I'll give you a better than thou attitude. Give me your body. I'll share it with everybody. I'll get to where you'll just literally worship your body and it'll be the most important thing to you. Give me your time. Give me your mind. Great leaders don't follow the crowd. I was watching a documentary several, it's been about two years ago now, on television 
and uh, it was from Columbia School of Business, and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates were being interviewed by the students, and they sat in a rotunda with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, two billionaires, multi-multi-billionaires, speaking to this very respected school of business. They were taking questions from those two men. A young lady stood and she said, Mr. Buffett, if you were our age and you were in this school and you were preparing yourself for the future, what would you do? Pretty good question, huh? She was shocked at the answer and so was everybody else that was in that rotunda. Mr. Buffett said, the first thing I'd do is interview everybody in this room and find out what they're going to do and I'd do something else. <laughs> That's a leader. That's the difference between the haves and the have-nots. You see, most of us want to find out what everybody else is doing and get in on it. But the Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go therein, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there are that find it. I can say to every young person, unequivocally, you cannot be a leader and follow everybody else. I don't care what you choose to do. You have to color outside the lines. You have to get out there to where you do things a little bit different than everybody else does it. And you don't buy into the fact that if you have a good business, you've got to wine them and dine them and lead them into immorality and all that, but you can come out and see organizations like the Hobby Lobbies and the Chick-fil-A's that can sit on the very front of the line and say, as for us, we're not going to go with the world. We think more of our employees. We're not interested in being like everybody else. We're just wanting to do what God wants us to do. That is a rare person, and it is rare in senior adults, middle-aged adults, young adults, married adults, single adults, and young people and children. This is the follow whatever's going on in your generation. Get with the fad. James says, what is your life? What is your life? Not what are you going to do, but who are you? Who are you? Are you your own person? Or are you not your own, but you've been bought with a price? I have been bought. I've been chosen. I've been adopted by the eternal God who has all power and all wisdom and all wealth an eternal life, and I am going to follow him. I believe too many of us live today as if that's all that matters. Doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. And we live that way, not trying to walk in obedience, but if it feels good, you do it. If it'll make you happy in your mind, then you do it. And, and we seem to live as if we have a 99-year lease on life with an option to renew when we get to the 100. But that's not what the Scripture teaches. 
Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die. We'll find out one day what extends life and what doesn't. We'll find out, is it medicine, is it surgeries, is it whatever? I don't know. Thank God for all that kind of stuff. But I do know a great physician that says, you come to me, you're going to have eternal life. Your, your life and death is not at stake. It's just where you're going to live. That's the only thing that you've got to look at. But I want to say to you again, if you'll realize that you're just as young or just as old as the person is sitting right beside you right now when it comes to the future, this is the only day, this is the only moment that we're promised. This is the first day of the rest of our life. <clears throat> I uh, think about growing up, uh, looking back, I'm going to be asking the kids in the next service, <clears throat> you know, if you're 13 years old, do you know more than you did when you were 10? If you're 15 years old, do you know more than you knew when you were 13? You know, if, if you're 20 years old, or do you, did you know more now than you knew when you were 18? Or if you're 30, do you know more now than when you were 20? If you're 50, more than when you were 30? If you're 50, do you know more than you, when you were 40? And if you're 70, do you know more than when you were 60? Or 90, more than when you were 75? You know what everybody would say if they were be honest and look in the mirror? I sure do. Then why don't you find you some mentors? Why don't you find somebody that's been down the road a little bit further? And see what they might give you that might come straight from God every one of us know more about life than we do than we did when we were younger but what is it today today we cannot go back life is a journey and every year you go into a time that you have never been in before and you will experience things you've never experienced before you're going to do it without a guide or are you just going to jump in and do the best you have? Let me tell you something. If you ever go anywhere in the world where you have never been before and you're going to go there by yourself, I would strongly suggest to you that you get you a guide that can speak the language and knows what's going on there and knows exactly where they are. I've been to the African bush over 20 times. I would not think about going into the bush of Africa by myself. I'm going to have me a guide. But we go through life. So many today are so independent. They build that wall around them. Nobody's going to tell them anything. And it's not just for the young people. It continues on through life if you don't break through and put your hand in the nail-scarred hand and get ready for the soon-coming king. We know how life ends here on earth. <clears throat> Either we die or the Lord's coming. And 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. I said, well, I appreciate that because 
Uh, I don't want to be ignorant. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as those that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that, when, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, wherefore, comfort, comfort. Don't you like that word? Comfort one another with these words. It's mind over matter. You don't mind, it don't matter. I talked to a man 60 years old this week, a fellow pastor that has a very serious heart condition. He was told that it's going to take $1,200,000 for him to get a heart transplant. He has no insurance. But in our conversation, this man of God who faithfully is the pastor of a very, very small congregation, less than 10 will be there this morning for him to preach to, but he looked with me with a smile on his face and a, and a twinkle in his eye that only believers have and said, but pastor, I know. I know God's got a million dollars, but I know that my heart belongs to him. And if I live, so be it. If I die, so be it. But I want God to be glorified in my life as long as I'm here. That's God's people. That's the way they talk. And they don't make it as a message it's the truth. It's the truth. There's a peace that passes all understanding. What is your life? That's the question. Sci secular scientists and philosophers, secular philosophers can't answer that question. Today's scientists are proving yesteryear's scientists wrong. And the next bunch of scientists will prove this group wrong. And somewhere along the way, Jesus is going to come and we're going to find the one that created the heavens and the earth is going to explain it and said, I don't know why you didn't get it. Christians understand if they know the Bible that when believers die, they don't leave home. They go home. They're absent from the body. They're present with the Lord. They know that those that die in Christ will come one day. But Satan's goal is to get you before you receive that truth and convince you that life is party, 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 fun, fun, fun. Just do what you want to do and have a good time. And if it gets like it's getting boring, take another drink. And if it still gets boring, take another one. And the next thing you know, it'll just be, <laughs> you'll make everybody in the restaurant want to get up and leave and everybody on the airplane want to jump out <laughs> if they had a parachute. And you'll wake up the next morning and say, what have I done? You've done exactly what the scripture said people will do that reject Jesus who is life everlasting. Yeah. Psalms 90, 12, so teach us 
to number our years, days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I never thought about that until this week. I, I just took some time. I just put my Bible down and got out my calculator. I'm just going to blow people's mind. How old are you? I'm not going to tell them how many years. I'm going to tell them how many days and get them to figure it out. <laughs> Teach us to number our days. If you're 10 years old, you've lived 3,650 uh, 3, days. I know about the leap here. Y'all go figure it out. I'm close, all right? All you scientists, get, you know, don't send me your emails, okay, please. 15 years, 5,475 days. If you're 20 years old, 7,300 days. I am 28,035 days old as of today. Maybe. Give or take two or three, whatever. Let me tell you something. Back when I had only lived 7,300 days, I pretty much knew everything. Now that I've lived 28,035 days, I just have a few opinions. <laughs> just a thought that's original. But on Christ the solid rock I stand, and this book has never been wrong for 28,000 days. Every week, every week, I see over and over and over the world falling apart because it's rejected the Creator. Shakespeare in Macbeth, remember this famous line, out, out, brief candle, Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hours upon the stage and then is heard no more. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. I know what today holds. I, I know that a news commentator that's somewhat legendary today wasn't on the air last night. Thou shalt not lie. That goes back a long way in the scripture. I know that a Super Bowl announcer of a few weeks ago, an incredible football player, was caught in his sin in the hotel and was fired from an incredible job. I know a college football quarterback that was legendary in the state of Texas entered a rehab center this past week for drug and alcohol problems. He didn't come to the Texans, but he is in the rehab center. And I know a Heisman Trophy winner of the same year was notified this past week that he's not on the list for the next year's football team. None of us know what another day's going to bring. I know a golfing legend has not finished three of the last eight tournaments. And there's a story in the life of when the turn came. I know a legendary singer's daughter that died in a bathtub, or her mother died in a bathtub, was found in a bathtub. They showed all the pictures of how happy she was and how she handled her mother's death. And now her life is critical. I know another football star that signed a $40 million contract and would have played in the Super Bowl is fighting literally for his life in a courtroom with a murder charge. This is not ancient history. This is 
daily events in my world and your world. None of us know what another day will bring. But the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We win. We win. We win. So I listened, driving around on Friday, I believe it was MacArthur High School. A young lady going to get her high school diploma and education was killed just in front of the school. Accident, yes, but gone. That life has ended. Hebrews 9, 27 again, there is an appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die. So I want to close by saying make sure that the characteristics that we see in that dash between the time we were born and the time we die, that in that dash we're preparing ourselves for eternity. None of us know what another day is going to bring, but this we do know. That person, life can be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Make sure that that dash, if somebody told the story of that dash in your life, there is a person that was preparing to meet their God. And the way you prepare to meet your God in eternity is walk with that God through the power of the Holy Spirit through this life and you'll never have any regrets never I challenge any one of you that doubt what God's word says to show me anybody that would say the biggest mistake I ever made was when I forsook this world and I started following Jesus but you can line people up from here to the moon that'll say I wish to God that when I was 5, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 single, married, whatever I wish to God that I would have been born again and I quit looking for what everybody else is doing and I took up my cross and followed him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Every need you have, the scripture says, my God shall supply, Philippians 4, 19, all of my needs, all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus is alive. And the person of the Holy Spirit, he is here. You can touch him. Or you can do what the majority of of people that do not know the Lord that will come into churches today all over the world, they'll go out the door and out into their world exactly like they came in with maybe a little woozy feeling. But that's it. But you can be in the minority. The majority is never right. It's a minority when it comes to spiritual things. Few there are that find it. Would you bow your head? (coughs) Our world is hurting today. Our families are hurting. Our businesses are hurting. Our corporations are hurting. We're sick. James says in that fifth chapter in the 14th verse, is any sick among you? And that word there used for sick means growing weary. 
says, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. People are physically sick, emotionally sick, mentally sick. But the main thing is they're spiritually sick. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. You got to know God's word. And you got to follow him. The man on television says, what's in your wallet? That's not the question. The question is, what is your life? Not what's in your wallet. But do you know him? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you take just a moment to separate yourself from every other human being on the planet? Your DNA is one of a kind. Nobody's like you. There's nobody can take your place. When father dies, the children don't take the place. Mama dies, the children don't take their place. But they take up the mantle and move on. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, why don't you do it right now? What hinders you from following Jesus today? You can. We're going to open doors now to our connection center. That connection lobby is a big room separated from all other parts of the building where you can get with one person and away from others and and just talk to them and pray with them. That connection center is under the terrace right here in the center of our building. You go out into the foyer. You look to the left from this side to my right or if if you exit to my left, you look to the right and you'll see people going in those double doors. You'll be sitting in separate areas just to talk and to pray and ask questions. They want to give you some things. But the thing you must do, you must ask the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, born again, become a child of God. Would you do that right now? Simple prayer. But it's got to come from a repentant heart. You've got to be willing. The prayer, the words mean nothing if you're not willing to die to yourself. Crucify your flesh. Not be worried about just having a good time, but having a meaningful life. One that did what God put you here to do. Pray this prayer if you're ready to make that commitment to do an about face and start following the Lord. Here is the prayer. Dear God, I'm asking you to come into my heart. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I know I've sinned. I cannot make excuses. I cannot rationalize it. I have sinned. And not worthy to be called your child. But I believe you love me. I'm asking you to come into my life right now. If you can take me and use me to reach people that could not be reached any other way and for me to have a fulfilled life for the first time ever, I come and ask you into my heart. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to be born again. I want to be your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.